0: Dedicated honor of the 10th side of Mary Rubak. thank you, by her family, Zeidah Nishmat Miriam Bat Avraham Allah Shalom. That's your, your mother? Yeah. yeah. Where was she? niftar in Texas or something? Yeah, Dallas. Yeah. I can't imagine what anybody does in Dallas, but it turns out that there was a very fine Jewish community there. how prosaic I am, you know, coming from New York. So took Galveston. To Galveston? Galveston, yeah. yeah. But they, then they ran away, came to New York, sell They didn't go for the fresh air. My parents went to uh, Winnipeg. The St. Lawrence Seaway was Farmer. another way in. That's far. what? That's Farquhar. I, I never asked that question. Well, they went because they had members of the family there already. So there were the three ports of entry, like New York, Galveston, and, uh, and uh, Winnipeg. Western Canada was a big uh, Western Canada was a big center for Jews. Did they to be farmers. Did they expect their to be farmers? Did they give them land? No, I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know that much about it. I don't think so. They they were trappers. They worked with fur. Fur was very big in those days, so they if you lived in Winnipeg, you went up to the Yukon killed a few, whatever there was, and you brought them back and then you the made coats of them. You made, what are they called? The Curio de Bois. It's oh, you see that? It's a native, a native Western Canadian. Yeah. But the Jewish capital of Western Canada was Winnipeg. They were very strong. Winnipeg, the Chadorim in Winnipeg, which service non-religious families, taught in Yiddish. So if you have somebody over the age of like 50 here in uh in Jerusalem cousin Winnipeg, he probably knows how to speak Yiddish. I mean, not religious. Yes. Yeah. But uh, but that was like the the big success of the Winnipeg Jewish educational system. Going to Vancouver nobody knew Yiddish. Maybe Japanese. They knew old Japanese. The gardens in Vancouver were taken care of by uh, Japanese gardeners. <coughs> okay, I, I'd like to say something about Migilat Root. <coughs> On Migilat Root, I've just reminded that I should tell you that my cough is really much better. It's just that at this hour of the day, it's not better. But the rest of the day, it's pretty good. So Megillat Rut, that's what we're talking about. Uh, Everybody knows that you read Megillat Rut on Shavuot, even though it's not perfectly clear what the connection between Shavuot and Megillat Rut is. It's also not perfectly clear what the connection between Shavuot and anything is. In other words, Shavuot is a holiday in the Torah, which demands of us a certain kind of uh, a certain mitzvah activity but that mitzvah activity only takes place in the Beit HaMikdash so that today Shavuot became like an empty day very much similar to uh, to HaTzeret to where there are mitzvot that are connected to the Beit HaMikdash but without the Beit HaMikdash it became an empty day. So if you ever hear that there's a comparison, it goes back to the Ramban, there's a comparison between Shmini which is an empty day that follows Sukkot, and Shokot, and which turns out to be an empty day that follows Pesach. Right? Just like sort of in the geometric way, there's some of this idea could develop that you need an empty day after a filled day, so Sukkot is full of mitzvot, and you need an empty day to recover. No, Shmini Atzeret. Forget about Simchat Torah. That's a later addition to the day because it's an empty day. <coughs> but Shmini Atzeret is an empty day. They say, well, you know, you you need recovery time from a period, seven days, where you're doing mitzvot all the time. Like right? You sit in the sukkah all the time. You take the lulab and that drug every day. You say hallel every day. It's a day that the days of sukkot are determined by the many mitzvot that we do on sukkot. Shemini Yatzeret, is like recovery. But you can't go from significant to zero. So you have a kind of bridge day that enables you to kind of recover. It's, it's b'cholzot, it's mikra kodesh. There are Isure Mulachah, there are things that you're not allowed to do on, on Shemini Yatzeret. So it's not a sort of a mitzvah day because there are no special mitzvot that we do on Shemini Yatzeret, but it's not a regular day either. So instead of going from this days of mitzvot to nothing, we have Shemini in the middle. Yatzeret is in the middle. And since in Chutzlaret they have this odd situation where uh, they have two days of nothing. right? That's. Uh, says something. I don't know what it means, but it says something. It's two nothing days at the end of Sukkot. So one of them turned into Simchat Torah, which is an activity. It's an activity day. It's like you know, sending your children to Gan, or something. So in Chutzlah it's two days. And Eretz Yisrael have this kind of anomaly where the two days from Chutzlaretz became one day in Eretz Yisrael. And so in Eretz Yisrael, you have this odd situation where you say, you know, you, you, you uh, say, Kel Mole Rachmim and, and Yisko, you say Yisko, and you sing and dance, which would seem to be counter-indicated, but there's no way to do it. We end up doing both of those The In Chutzla, those of you who have good memories. The Yitzchor is on the, on the eighth day. And the Simchas Torah is on the ninth day. So okay, I guess. I don't know if it's okay. But that's how they do it. Now when it was transferred, to Simchas when the people in Eretz Israel were jealous that they didn't have Simchas so they just put everything in on one day. And so you have this odd situation where you have Simchat Torah and, and Yizkor at the same time, actually. I mean, it could happen simultaneously because the Shul I daven in is like Shtiblach, you know, like uh, you have a lot of Minyanim going at the same time, but a lot of people create, since everybody wants to get an Aliyah, also something I don't understand. I think originally the idea was that everybody should get an aliyah at least once a year. And so if you didn't get an aliyah, you got an aliyah at Simchat Torah. They they gave it aliyah, but uh, today it turned out that everybody, no matter how many times you've had aliyah, during the year, you want to get an aliyah at Simchat Torah as though that's going to get you into heaven or something. (laughs) Everything will get you into heaven. (laughs) (laughs) So in the shul, there's a minion here and a minion there and a minion there. And they're all like, so they could be saying Yisko and Kriya Satura and and uh, Musaf all at the same time. Like in the same place, it's all going on. Like at the Kotel. The Kotel, you don't have to down the Kotel, you just stand for five minutes in a particularly good spot. And here you have Shachris, here you have Musaf, here you have Khalil, here you have Kriya Satura. You just get the whole thing, you know, stereophonically reproduced. Why did I tell you all this? <laughs> to tell you that Shavuot is an empty day. Right? Shavuot is also an empty day. So, so the so uh, the Ramban, was especially elegant in this, he said. It's just like Sukkot. You can't get out of Sukkot easily. You need Shmini Atzeret. The same thing is true about Pesach. Which, which we all agree, every time you eat a matzah and Pesach, you're doing a mitzvah. Oh, we don't all agree, but you could, could, could agree. it was a to eat matzah at the light of the Seder. But if you want to eat matzah during the rest of the week, it's a good thing also. Maybe it's also a mitzvah. So you have this idea, but, but you're neurotically connected to Pesach like no other time of the year, right? Pesach is the ultimate neurotic, Yantiv, because you're worried about something that you can't see. Oh, that's going to make you a little neurotic, right? I mean, you're worried about comets that you can't see, that you can't find, but what if I didn't look here? But what if I didn't do that? Or what if I... So that's the, like, the source of the Jewish neurosis. So to get out of that, you needed seven weeks. Seven weeks to get out of Pesach. <laughs> In order to get to, you know another way of saying is in order to, for Yitziat Mitzrayim to turn into Kabbalat Torah. Even though I, I know that the, the Torah doesn't call Shavuot Kabbalat Torah, but the Torah, <coughs> but the Torah calls it Shavuot. It's the holiday of seven weeks. It's the holiday of counting. It's the day that I come to an end of counting the seven weeks. And on that day that I count, to finish counting the seven weeks, so this day, this week is on Sunday. (coughs) On the day that I finish counting the seven weeks, uh, I, I have this day, Mikra Kodesh with no particular content, I need it in order to get out of, in order to get out of Pesach, in order to get out, I need the seven weeks and I need Shavuot, which is a little bit Kedusha. What this has to do with Vigilat Rut is not clear. I mean, you could say whatever you want to say, it doesn't matter, it was that time of year, it was about Chesed. It was about uh, Kabbalah, ha giyur, right? Uh, 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 Giyur, Giur conversion. It was about conversion. You can say all of those things if you want to. But it doesn't seem to me, it doesn't seem to me that gets to the heart of the matter. In fact, it's hard for me to figure out or to imagine what the heart of the matter is. I mean, it's a story about a girl, Ruth, her mother-in-law, Right? They, they had a certain affection for each other. And Boaz, who became the Redeemer, became the Redeemer. Now, at the end of Miguel it's not on the sheet, I'm sorry. It was my error. Uh, uh, at the end of Miguel there is a summarizing statement. Now, it could be, you know, literary critics might say that this summarizing statement was added at a different time and it's not part of the real Megillah. But that doesn't interest me, because the way I was taught and the way we learn in yeshiva, you learn the text, or whatever there is. It's like sort of futile to try to take the text apart and say this belongs here, that belongs there, because it becomes too unmanageable. But learning the text is still manageable. So the text of Megillat Ruth ends with the following statement. It says, it says, uh, Ruth had a baby. Ruth had a baby. The father of the baby's name was Boaz. Uh, That's what it says in the Mugila. So who adopted this child that was born? Remember Naomi? She's the mother-in-law. She has, today, no connection to Ruth, right? She's not related to Ruth. Ruth had a husband who was her son, but he died. And so Ruth was left. Now they got along, they came together, I mean, but that had nothing to do with with mishpacha. It wasn't because they were related. So the Tosuk says She took, she, Naomi, took this child who was born and placed him in her bosom And she became Omenet, Omenet means a wet nurse, a teacher, an educator a bringer, upper, much in the same way that Miriam and Yocheved brought up Moshe Rabbeinu Right? It's hard not to kind of uh, think about that association. Miriam Yocheved, right? Miriam watched. Moshe Rabbeinu was taken by Paro's daughter, and she suggested that maybe Miriam could, Yocheved could serve as a a wet nurse and educator. That's how Moshe Moshe Rabbeinu escaped his fate. And then it says... Uh, the Pasuk says, mm-hmm. You have this most amazing Pasuk, which I've mentioned in the past. And it says in this Pasuk, right? It says in the Pasuk, And the people, the other women, right? You know, women congregate with women sometimes, from time to time in certain groups. Right? You know the women hanging out the laundry in the back. They're talking to other women hanging out the laundry in the back. So shame Lemur. Yulad ben l'na-ami. yulad What does that mean? Yulad ben Linami. Nami had a son. Now how come they said that? Nami didn't have a son. Ruth had a son. Nami was an old lady, by her own admission. By her own admission, she was an older lady. So what did they say? Yulat ben Lenami, Vatikre and Nashimo Ovad, and his name was Ovad, and who Avi Yishai, and he had a son whose name was Yishai, who had a son whose name was David. <coughs> okay. So this is a problem. This is a problem you want David Amelech. I mean, I mean, what does it say? It says that David Amelech had a grandmother who was a Moaviyah, who came from the, the the nation of Moab. What does the Torah say about people from Moab? The Torah is very clear. Well, You can you can't marry them. And so Chazal, because of this whole story, perhaps, Chazal said, You can't marry a male, but you can marry a a female. So I would say, okay, that doesn't make Yichus. Not something you're going to be so proud of, you know, like I could marry you, but only with a dre. Without a dre, I couldn't marry you. Well, what's the big deal that David HaMelech I mean, I know it's what it says, but why does it say it? Like, why, they should cover it up. <coughs> most people in the Tanakh, well, most people, I don't know who their grandparents were. I know their fathers. Maybe their grandfathers, but here I know Boaz, Ovid, Yishai, David. Would be enough to say David ben Yishayim. What if to say David ben Ruth, was really me. I mean, like, you know, you could say that Naomi calling her the child, the son of Naomi, kind of purifies him. Because Naomi, she was Jewish. She was from a Jewish family. <coughs> so I just, I just wanted to understand Why is it so important to know that Ruth begat David HaMelech and that along the way she lost her identity as the mother? She lost her identity as the mother and Nomi became the mother. I mean, you think that the women were saying this for no reason at all because they were confused? I think they were doing something. I think they were saying something. I think they were making a point. And it says it in the Pasuk, I haven't quoted anything that came from an abstract or abstruse source. It says it. it, says it then. and then to summarize, to summarize this idea that there's a genealogy, the Pasuk goes on and says, Perets, Perets Remember Perets? Peretz Parats, he jumped out boaz before we had the short chronology now we have a longer chronology over david this is a, like an important thing in other words, this second list, this second list leaves out root, which is regular. I mean, that's how it usually is. But then why did they have the first list, which comes the, on the heels of saying, okay, let's learn a few psukim a few and then we'll, you have, you have the sheet, right? You have the sheet. You have the sheet. The sheet says this: Why him? This all took place in the day of the time of the judges. You know that after the Yisrael went into Eretz Yisrael, was they were ruled or led by judges. Judges were charismatic leaders. Charismatic leaders means they they had it. You know they were like they weren't voted in. But everybody knew that they had that quality that, of leadership. And they were called Shoftim because that's what they did. They adjudicated uh, difficult situations between the people at that time. Amongst the famous uh, Shoftim, you know, was Dvorach, he was also a Shofetet. So in that, those days, being a Shofet was not uh, gender-related. Anybody could be a Shofet if they were worthy, if the people accepted that. so in, And this period of time went on for several hundred years until a king in Israel was, uh, was determined. And the first king in Israel was Shaul. Shaul, the first king in Israel. Of course, he was not really the first king. The real first king was Dobra Melech. King David was really the first king. Because King David was already uh, (coughs) hinted at by Yaakov in his blessing to his children, that the king will come from the tribe of Yehuda. And Shaul HaMelech came from the tribe of Benjamin. So Shaul HaMelech was sort of the first king, but he he certainly um, began the period of kingship. Which started from shaol HaMelech, ha-melech and ended with the destruction or the exile of the ten tribes ended three times right the exile of the ten tribes then the exile of yehuda and then finally the roman exile right that's the end of malchut until that time until the romans exiled the jewish people there was always a king in israel first there were two kings one in the northern kingdom and one in the southern kingdom and then there was always a king until the Roman exile, <coughs> which ended kingship in Israel. And a sort of a kingship moved over to Bobel, Babylonia, where there was an institution called Resh Geluta, Rosh Hagolah. There was like an administrative head. And he was considered to be like a king and came from the house of David. But he wasn't really a king. I mean, he couldn't collect taxes, he couldn't do you know, he could only do it for the, uh, for the Babylonians. He couldn't do it for, for himself. So Rashi says, <laughs> before the kingship of Shaul, that the the generations were kind of taken care of by shoftim. That was the leadership. So Rashi is telling us how he knows history. He says if was one of the list of of shoftim. I think the seventh, the seventh of the shoftim. If you look at Shoftim, the book of Shoftim, you'll find him. And and uh, uh, Chazal said that Ivtsanu Boaz, which either means that they were the same, or that Boaz lived at the time of that Ifzan was the Shufei. So that's Shvota Shoftim, right? And then the Pasuk says, Aretz, right? We know Ra'al Ba'aretz means something very severe. It took place in the time of Avram Avinu. It took place at the time of Yitzchak Avinu. Yaakov Avinu did not leave Eretz Yisrael because of Ra'av Ba'aretz, but he also was forced to leave Eretz Yisrael. So Avram Avinu left Eretz Yisrael by Ra'av Ba'aretz. Yitzchak did not leave Eretz Yisrael, but he went to the land of the Plishtim, which de facto turned out to be like leaving Eretz Yisrael because... The land of the Plishtim, which we call today Aza, the land of the Plishtim was never conquered. The, 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 it was, it was, uh, uh, should have been conquered by Yehuda, should have been conquered by David HaMelech, but it never was. It never was. Eventually, they disappeared. The Plishtim disappeared, and they ended up as an archaeological curiosity, or maybe an archaeological important thing, I don't, I don't know. So that that Raboteinu, it sounds, I don't know if there's a reason that they said that. The continuation of the Pasuk is Beit Lechem Yehuda. Beit Lechem Yehuda. There's a Beit Lechem in Yehuda, that's the famous Beit Lechem that we know about. It was also a Beit Lechem in the Galil. So this is Beit Lechem Yehuda, B'yei lech'ish, Rashi said, Ashir gadol haya upanas ha'dor v'yatsa me'eretz Yisrael lechutza Aretz v'nei Zaruta Ayy. But he didn't, uh, it was the Chazal say that uh, that he left the country because he was uh, cheap. Shaita eino tsarabaniyim He didn't want to have to deal with other poor people. In other words, there was a famine in the land. The famine produces poor people. Poor people. He wasn't poor. He, was, he had means, but then all the poor people came knocking on his door, and he thought to escape them all by going to the land of Moab. That's what Rashi, Rashi says. That's why he was punished. He was punished. He did a bad thing. The Torah says there's a mitzvah to get stucker. He didn't want to get stucker so that's the, the way rashi presents it to us right he his wife two sons shema melech shema this is like a like a trick like a literary trick first you tell you tell your story that you might be interested in and then it tells you the names right the names are very important in the tanakh they usually people in stories have names. People in stories have names, except for uh, Eliezer and Yishma'el. Shnei imo. Right, the l'akedat Yitzchak. Shnei imo. They don't have names. They don't have names. The story wants to make sure that we understand that even though they came with Abraham and Yitzchak to l'akedat Yitzchak, they had no significance in the story. So Rashi tells us who they were but they will have no significance to the story that's being told. Uh, So Rashi says, Efratim, Efratim, that's where they came from. Chashurim, Rashi says, okay. Rashi says what he says. Let's go on. So, so Elimelech caused a kind of a, 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 a problem he caused a problem in, uh, by dying because they, all of a sudden the mother and the two sons didn't, were not well established so they did something which was a bad thing and was, they gave in they gave in to idolatry the Moabites had no reason. The Moab was on the eastern side of the Jordan River, and the command that Yoshua received was to rid Eretz Canaan of idolatry, but not east of the of the Jordan River. So they married these Moabite women. So they were, uh, let's say, and and How old would they have been? Let's say 16. So now they're 26. All right, 10 years. So Machlon and Kilion also died. Rashi will explain, Yes? That word gam bothers Rashi a little bit. So Rashi says, Gam shnei hem. You see the Rashi? Ma hu gam? Ma hu gam? What do you mean? Gam? Betchila lakul v'malmato. Metu gimalei hem. O v'knei hem. Achag Gam hei hem. was first, everything they own died. It's like an Eom story. You know, machlov and kilion. They had nothing when they died. When they died, they had nothing. So in other words, Naomi has been rendered destitute. She has nothing. She's a woman doesn't have a lot of political clout, she doesn't have a business, she lost all her money, and her sons died. So she is somehow connected to her daughters-in-law, who are no longer really daughters-in-law, but they are just connected somehow and they decide to go back to Eretz Yisrael because they heard that there's food to eat and as we see later on uh, Naomi had a certain <coughs> understanding that she owned something there was something that belonged to her in Eretz Canaan so we don't know exactly how she came to that conclusion but Rashuvel, Aretz, They all, they both decided. Uh, they all, uh, they all decided, all three of them, to go back there. It's Kanan. you see the Rashi pasuk Zayv, but they say Minamakom, Lamei Amar, by it's same Minamakom. The, 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 the pasuk already told us that she left. Mo'av. So why does the Pesach have to say, V'taytzei min ha-makom? Mehechan tashuv? If say min ha-makom. How can she go back there? It's kanad if she doesn't leave? You don't have to tell me she's going to leave? Of course she's going to leave. Shaita sham ela magid, this is what the Pesach is telling us, Sheyitziyat sadid min ha-makom nikeret. Vosei Roshem. Panei ziva, panadara, panashibcha shel ir. So you remember that Rashi says at the beginning of the parish of that the reason the Torah says Yaakov Mi to teach us that when a tzaddik leaves, people feel the loss. They feel the lack. They may not have had much to do with him, they must not, not have had uh, some special relationship to the tzaddik, but having a tzaddik in the town, changes something. And so layetze, by layetze by means that even when the tzaddik leaves umashir Roshim, the Roshim they say, in the, in the Kabbalah, they say it's like a signet ring. You know, you look at the ring and it can make an impression in wax. You push it into the wax, it makes an impression and it changes the wax. The wax was a glob and now it's a design. So, Pasuk Chet. So, this Pasuk is like, there's like something here that we don't know about. But Nomi says to her daughters in law, Nomi says to her, her Nomi says to daughters, it's true that I'm going back to Beit Lechem. Because I think things will be good for me. But I can't guarantee it. I can't guarantee it will be good for me. So I think you should go back to your families, the homes that you came from. So they had one of those scenes at the airport. Everybody's crying, goodbye, goodbye, hello, goodbye. We will go back with you. Who said we will go back with you? Ruth and Orpah. Ruth and Orpah. They both thought this would be a great deal. Right? They were married to the sons. The sons died. They, they had no currency, so to speak. Who's going to want to marry them? They didn't have a dowry. They couldn't produce any... Uh, any tangible uh, products. So again, Vatomer Naami, Vatol Yudalik, Vatomer Naami Shovna Benatai Lamatei Lachba'im Mei Yaod Libanim B'Vei Ay. Vayyalachem Le'Adashim. Now this is a pasuk of great significance. But you have to figure out what the significance is. Little for the, because Naomi said, Shovna Benatai, go back. Why did you come with me? You think I'm going to have more sons and they will marry you and then you'll be part of the deal somehow? Like I say, they're 26 years old and they're talking about unmarried, unborn children and she doesn't have a husband. She, nom, she doesn't have a husband. What's she talking about? What is it that what exactly is the subject here? Pasuk yudbet, lechna, ish. I'm an old lady. What do you think? I'm sorry, I I'm gonna have a child at my age. I'm not gonna have a child. Yeshli tikva gamayiti alaila deishrak. What libanim? If I thought that I could do it, I would try to have a child today on the spot, on the spot. Rashi says, "Ki zakadi miyotli ish enasaylo." I can't get married. What libanim? But he nasaylahem sheinam asurim lachem veichem asurim lachem mishum eshet achiv. She'lo ayava Ola Moser. She says that this is even halachically acceptable because these women, if there's another brother that's born when the brother died already, there's no prohibition of eshit ach. You can't marry, can't marry the wife of the the brother's wife as long as the brothers alive. Anyway, I never, I never could quite understand it. It's no, no What? <laughs> That's for sure. Who's well, know. I about that, that right. Who say <laughs> Again, <laughs> Yeah. So this is like the 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 yibum problem. You think you're going to be waiting for yibum or some kind of yibum? I, I don't know. Anyway, Pasuk I don't know what that's all about. That's a halachic conundrum. Okay? Pasuk So this is a course of A... Uh... Not a magical moment, a tense moment. Like like, uh, uh, suddenly Ruth emerges from the story. She was up to now one of two, and now she became one of one. There's only Ruth left. Orpa does what she thinks I guess is a reasonable thing to do, and that leaves, or that leaves Ruth, but uh, Toma shuvi Okay meaning the other wife the other wife and then and then Naomi says el el I mean as long as she's in my house maybe she acts a little bit like I act but she's going back to be the way she was Orpa and as her only chance of survival is to become like she used to be. Patsute Zayan. Watome rut outtif ki i vila uzvechla shu mecha rayek ki ashata el kielech, a shetalidialina mecha mibuai alohi this is that famous statement which actually uh, it does equal geul. It equals a kind of a of a geul. So if you look at the Rashi, you see the first long line of the Rashi: Ki ela shetel chi elech mikana brura boteinu zal ger shabalit gayer modiim lo mikzat onashim. A ger, a convert who wants to convert to Judaism. You tell them a little bit about the punishments. In other words, you say to the to the to the candidate for for uh, conversion, you say, right now, you know, if you smoke on Shabbat, so nothing's going to happen to you. But you convert, you're like liable to be stoned. You sure you want that? I mean, you know, that's what you, that's what you're supposed to say. We talked to Shall Rut. Atala made this is all derived from Ruth. Shamra La Naomi, asulah let's the tchutz l'tchum l'shabbat. So she said, she Naomi said to Ruth, we can't go beyond the two thousand amma on Shabbos. Amalech has brachet elchi elech. I'll go wherever you go, and wherever you don't go, I won't go. Then she said, asulah let's say nekevam zachar she naishan. And we can't be in alone with another man who's not my husband. Basha Talini So she said to him, Whoever you are, you know, whoever you rest or lie, I will lie as with you. I mean of course we know the story. She wasn't so careful about that. Amenu Sha'ar Amim. He says, you have to know our nation, we follow the rules of the Torah. So Ruth said, Asulanu We're not allowed to be idolaters. So she said, Abami the there are four ways that the Beitin has the right to kill people. So she accepted it. I mean, that's what giur is. Giur is just—it has nothing to do with dunking in the mikveh, right? It's essentially about accepting the obligation. And so there's a there's a a, a problem with teaching torah to non-jews so you have to figure out a way that to teach torah to the non-jew before he converts to enable him to him or her to accept the torah without teaching it to him okay so whatever the decision is you know they do that somehow today in the olden times in the olden times i mean olden times in europe maybe also in, i mean in the in the North Africa, I and mean, they, 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 they didn't have any converts. So, having a convert was a, like. A, but also in uh, <coughs> in Eastern Europe, there were these uh, girls who grew up in Jewish homes. They served with servants. You know, they cleaned the house, cooked the food, took care of these non-Jewish, and and eventually, for whatever reason, they decided that they'd like to stay in that family and <coughs> be part of that family and convert it. So they knew about Judaism because they worked at it. You know, they were involved for many years. They didn't have to go to a course to learn how to be, how to be Jewish. It was sort of like mid-ha'avir. Uh, they got it out of there. So you see that this pasuk is understood by Chazal, uh, by Rashi, uh, is understood by Rashi as indicating giur, accepting of the Torah and the Mitzvot. In other words, Ruth realized that she had to go through a transformative moment. She's on her way with Nomi to Eretz Kenan. In Moab, she didn't have to convert because she had a a community. She had, even if she didn't spend a lot of time with her family or with, the, but she knew them. She understood them. I mean, the Moabites spoke a different language. I mean, it was similar to Hebrew, but it was not Hebrew. So you had to be, you could be a Moabite. Now I have no idea, but I imagine the Moabites like distinguished themselves in their dress in some way, in some way everybody does that I don't think that that's changed in the last 2,000 years or 3,000 years so that root, Ruth, Ruth has made like a decision and what, what Nomi says to Ruth is I'm going home and there's really there's no place for you in my home and so Orpah got it she says that's true. I mean, you know, if you're going home, I, I, I've got to. I've got to go home. I'm also going to go home. I mean, people spend a lot of effort. They put a lot of effort in having a home, and having a base, and having parents, and having siblings. All this is part of the enterprise of life. So Orpah said, "I can't give it up. I like Nami. I want to help her. She helped me. We have all the reasons, but I can't give up my identity." And Root, for some reason, Root agreed. Root agreed that... So, if you look at the second, second page, you see, Rayao mehashem el-avrom, bet yod-vet pasuk aleph, agro madvinu Rashi says this will be for you it will be good for you Avram Avinu here you're not going to have any children I will, I will make known to everybody in the world who you are so what was it that HaKadosh Baruch was saying to Abu Avinu He's saying that HaKadosh Baruch chose Avraham Avinu but Avraham Avinu could not, could not activate his potential unless he could leave behind what he came from and that is not an easy thing to do. So it's the only sivui, the only command that God gave to Avraham Avinu he says, you've got to leave. You've got to start over again. You've got to become Avram Avinu. it's not just to make money and to be well set up. But you can't really function if you carry around the weight of the past, of the place you come from. And so Avram Avinu went through a kind of diur. Kind of giyur which we just had explained to us by root, that giyur, giyur is about starting over again. It's about being able to leave the influences of the past. That's why giyur is difficult. Why it's difficult for the dayanim in any case. I mean, I have to say they have to call it. You know, like it's a. Uh, not clear. What's going to be? You know, it's going to be somebody who's with I, I don't know. why is it that people don't want to participate to do giurim? In Eretz Israel, it's different, by the way. Eretz Israel is different. Eretz giurim have a very good chance because, after all, the, the world is is Jewish. So you know, but you get up in the morning. Even t- today, I mean, there's this like, you know. Little by little, the Haredi world is attacking the Chiloni world, and now the Karyan on the radio tells you how many days of Surat Omer it is. So there you have it. So the Gare, Nebecha in, Gare in the Chutzlar, How is he going to know what day of Surat Omer it is? I mean, you've got to go around and ask somebody and go to Shuhir. You just sit and listen to the news, and it tells you. So you think that counting Sri Omer is normal, and you think that, that having a, the, the, the date of the day of the month in, in, in a Jewish date, but you think that's also normal. You think it's like regular. That, it's not that you makes you fool, but somebody who became a ger has a lot of things that are keeping him on the path. Not perfect, I didn't say that. Chutzla, it's, it's a problem. It's a problem because when you walk out into the street, the street is not Jewish. So you walk into the street, you have a, you have a problem. So, Avram Avinu, HaKadosh Baruch say to Avram Avinu, you want to start. You want to start something? You better start everything over again. Right? Ve'artzecha, me'moladetecha, you've gotta leave it all behind, and everybody who's a little bit reflective about themselves—I mean, you don't have to go to—you uh, don't have to go to analysis. You could be reflective about yourself without analysis. I mean, you know, unless you want to spend the money. But if you're reflective about yourself, you have to understand that you had a father and you have a mother, and it stays with you, right? The past doesn't evaporate. It's the most normal thing <coughs> to have a past and to be annoyed by it, to be annoyed by your past. I mean, you know that you do things that maybe you shouldn't do, but because you saw your parents doing it, you saw your siblings doing it. I mean, it's like you can't help yourself. So when HaKadosh Baruch said to Abraham, Lech Lecha, well, that a simple thing that he was saying. It wasn't just a question of buying a ticket and going to Eretz Canaan, it was a question of remaking himself, and remaking means starting from zero. And so here, if you look at the the last source, Rahiri ben Roei Miknei, Abraham ben Roei Meknei Lot, you remember Avram and Lot? Right, Avram was Lot's nephew, Lot was Avram's nephew. Yes? They, they were both in Eretz Israel. they're both landowners they both have flocks they both drain around and then and then what? then what? let's not fight everybody in their own families had this experience everybody anybody who says they haven't was not awake but if you wake up there was this time, got angry and annoyed and unhappy, and then somebody came along and said, "Well, you know, what's the big deal?" <coughs> so that's what our rabbi says. He parade number in line in my small vein, Meaning not only do I want to separate from you Elot, but I want you to take the lead. You want to go to the right, go to the right. You want to go to the left, go to the right, It's all they know. What is this about? This is about the person who could not remake himself. Lot came with Avram Avinu from Ur Kastim and he brought with him everything that he grew up with. All the genetic aberrations that were implanted into Lot remained. Avram could not get them out couldn't get them out Lot couldn't be the son of Abram and Ishmael couldn't be the son of, of Abram and Ishmael had a mother and while she tried to protect her son she was not able to she was not able <coughs> to be the mother of the son of Abraham and that she couldn't do only Sarah also started off again remember Sarah started off as Sarai and yeah, she became Sarah. What's wrong with Sarah? What's what Sarah? What what's the difference? I mean, I I don't know too many girls who are named Sarah, but I think I have a granddaughter who's called that. That's a nickname, no? No. Okay. So that's, that is the most difficult thing you could imagine. Even Sarah had to had to remake herself. She had to be a new person. Avraham Abraham became Avram. Avraham. Abraham, he, he did it. He did it. The next stage of newness that was demanded was David HaMelech. David HaMelech. David HaMelech was after Shaul. HaMelech. Shaul, it was sort of like a, an indication, a proof that it couldn't be couldn't be Shaul Amalek. It had to be David Amalek. David Amalek was the new person. He wasn't subject to all the problems that came up in the years, in the years of the uh, of the Shoftim. All the problems that came up. You know, this year that the, that the history of the Shoftim was 40 years, forty years, forty years, forty years, forty years. Forty good years, forty bad years. They they always slipped back into idolatry, and Shaul. Was a pro- he was good but he was a product of that history he came from that and so eventually he could not withstand he could not withstand that pressure, that obligation that he was defeated as king of Israel inconceivable the rabban even asked that question, well, what would have happened to Shaol was a good king but well, he wasn't What would have happened? So there would be two kings. That's what the Ramban said. But that's not not our our issue. What would have happened? What happened was that he couldn't do it. He couldn't remake himself. He couldn't have a start over. He couldn't have a beginning. And so who had that in their tradition? David Amel. He was the son of the son of the son of Ruth. And who was Ruth? she was the one who invented conversion. And what does it mean to invent, as far as I know, I don't know anybody else who converted, unless you talk about Abraham Yisrael, and Yisrael Yaakov. But she invented conversion. she invented the details of conversion. she invented that there's a new beginning possible, that you could have David HaMelech, that David HaMelech turned out to be the most significant person in Jewish history after Moshe Rabbeinu, right? David HaMelech. He was a legal scholar and a warrior. That's something that we all think highly of, right? In history, people like that are usually adored, usually adored. (coughs) So we know that Nami, we know that Nami thought about Yibu, thought about, what does Yibum do? If Ruth would have had a Yabam, would have had somebody to give her a child, that child would be related to the family of Nami, wouldn't it? She would be the mother of that child. So that Nami says, all the chenims say, well, it's not so much that she was converted, but her child, was the child of Nomi. Well, the child of Nomi had that child. That child was the new beginning for Am Yisrael. And the only way to have a new beginning after the failure of Sha'ul HaMelech, even though my, in the years in history I'm l- crutching it a little bit, but in, the, in Sha'ul HaMelech, was unable to establish a new beginning for the kingship in Israel. David HaMelech was because he was in the family at the same time his great-grandmother was Ruth, who was the new beginning, the new start of all things. Chag Sameach, Shabbat Shalom, all the best.